Hello, HCI learners. Welcome to another episode of Nine to Thrive HR, a podcast that explores the most pressing issues facing talent management today by speaking with experts and practitioners in the field. My name is Holly Pennebaker, and I will be your host for today. I'm the Digital Content Program Manager here at HCI, and I'm also joined by my colleague, Aubrey Witte, who is the Senior Director of Content Solutions. Hi, everyone. It's nice to be with you today. And we couldn't bring you the latest in people management without support from our sponsor. So before we begin, I'd like to thank IBM, who is a leader in artificial intelligence. And today we will talk about that artificial intelligence and its impact on human resources. To get us started, we'd also like to welcome Ben Eubanks. Ben Eubanks is currently the Principal Analyst at Lighthouse Advisory and Research, where he oversees the development of research, assets, and insights for HR, learning, and talent vendors across the globe. As an HR thought leader, Ben also blogs for upstarthr.com, and he's the co-founder of HR Revolution Movement, an event where attendees from around the globe work together and explore the future of HR, work, and business. Welcome, Ben. We're glad to have you here. I am really excited to be here and looking forward to chatting with you guys about the topic. Awesome. Great. So today we're going to talk about artificial intelligence and its impact on human resources, how AI will support professionals and change the HR industry instead of hurt or replace employees. Mm -hmm. It certainly seems as though the topic of artificial intelligence is gaining popularity among HR professionals, as well as employees who are actually excited to share the workforce with robots. So Ben, how would you define artificial intelligence and how would you say it's different from machine learning or cognitive systems? So the basic element really is that it's a computer that doesn't just process things, but it can learn, it can act, it can respond in a more human-like manner than computers traditionally could. And the thing that I always default to is when uh, the Watson machine beat Ken Jennings, everybody's favorite Jeopardy champion in the game of Jeopardy because it was able to process human language faster than he could, even though he had learned all these, these amazing facts and things. And so it's a way for computers to really, again, start responding more like people. And uh, again, the exciting part of that is when we can blend that into the workplace, start using those kind of things to really help us get the work done. Yeah, this is Aubrey. I think that that's a great point. I'm also a big Jeopardy fan, so I like calling out that um, that event. I, I do remember that. I think that it's interesting when you say a blended approach to this, you know, AI and HR, because HR historically has been a function that is built around people, right, and of management of people and trying to identify and recruit people. So, how do you see AI really changing how HR functions today? If I could stop for one second, I would say that we'd take a step back and say that it's not impacting it that much yet, but there are two big things that I see as roadblocks to that. There, now, to say there are some companies that are using cognitive tools that are seeing amazing results of those, but for a large part of the people that I talk to, HR leaders across the globe, two things are kind of standing in the way of that. The first is there's no use case for a lot of them. They're not sure how to apply it, so they're not sure how to make it work. It's a neat idea. It's a really nice soundbite, but how do I translate into that into how I can impact our work? This is about people, right? It's not about a, a machine doing something. So I need a story to help them identify that impact and help them understand how it can change their branding practices, their training, their hiring, these things that they have to do every day. So by providing those good stories and use cases, we can help to shift that perception and give the idea a foothold so that HR leaders can work better. The second reason I think 
there's a fear of job replacement. And uh, Pew Research did a study, and 67% of people said that robots are going to replace people in the near future. However, 80% of the people in that same study said, not my job. And that's statistically not possible, right? We think that this big chunk of people of jobs is going to change, but everybody thinks it's not me. And HR is not exempt from that. We think, well, it can't take over my work because this is about people. It's about talent. And I've got, a, I've got these soft skills and things that we have to do. So if we look at it on a macro scale, technology innovation has always created a lot of opportunities. It's created new jobs, different jobs. And if we consider kind of the microcosm of HR, there's no reason to see that as any different. So one thing that's really grown in recent years is this idea of the employee experience and how we treat people throughout the entire life cycle of employment. And actually, IBM published some really interesting research on this last fall, the Employee Experience Index, talking about the hard data behind that, how it impacts businesses. And I think things like that, those experiences that we can create are things that HR is going to have to do, continue to doing, and focus more on as we have machines and other tools helping us with some of the more laborious pieces of, uh, of the process. Absolutely, Ben. It's Holly. And as we talk about the growth of machine learning and how it's all about the people and changing the brand and training and hiring, and especially with people starting to really become afraid of losing their jobs, um, similar to the study that you talked about, in uh, 2012, the Grandview research looked at the demand for robots from 2012 until present day. Mm -hmm. And if you look at it um, as a bar graph, it just shows how the uphill is just so incredibly steady. Mm -hmm. um, and as far as how these robots are coming in and impacting jobs, um, Dr. John Sullivan actually led a presentation at HCI's Workforce Planning and Analytics Conference just this past couple days in Miami, mm -hmm. and he talked about how so many jobs are basically going to be just obsolete. Um, he talked about bus drivers, train drivers, taxi drivers are no longer going to be needed because vehicles are just becoming self-driving. Um, even delivery drivers, um, Domino's Pizza is going to start using drones to deliver pizza. Um, <laughs> cashiers, when you go to a McDonald's in Australia, you're actually just going to order whatever you feel like eating through a self-service machine. Um, even uh, restaurant servers in China are now robots. Um, so people are definitely worrying about how these these skills are going to be able to be filled by artificial intelligence, and it is a little worrisome, but we're talking also about how robots coming into the workforce is actually really exciting. Um, so when we look at these robots from a welcoming eye, um, how do you see robots impacting jobs, and how can you shed some positive light on that? So I see the job, the change is less in terms of job count and number of jobs and more in the job makeup. People are getting better at looking for what they can do and a machine really can't. So I'll have to go back and look up some of the stuff that uh, Mr. Sullivan shared because he's really sharp and I really enjoy reading his work. Um, one of the people that I follow, his name is Robert Gordon. He's an economist and his focus is on the third industrial revolution or this, this change in our world that has happened in the uh, previous industrial revolutions and how it's going to affect us today. And his approach is similar to mine. Robots are not going to overtake us in this wave of unemployment like this 
uh, iRobot story, really. It's not going to be that dramatic. They're going to complement our work for some time, and then there will be other parts of jobs, like the examples that you're talking about, Holly, where you know servers or cashiers and these very transactional type things, those are going to start going away. Think about um, the example of Amazon's store that you walk into the grocery store, you don't talk to anybody, you don't see anybody, and you walk out and you carry your things out to your car and you're done. You know, people appreciate that value of it. So there are still some parts of jobs and job categories that can't be replicated, though, even by the most advanced systems that we have. Again, as I mentioned a minute ago, historically, new technology has been a creator of jobs, not necessarily a destroyer of jobs. The thing that we really need to get a handle on is how this is going to shift blue collar and other replaceable work to be more creative, more curative types of jobs that require human touch. For instance, you know, 20 years ago, we could never have seen how much we depend on search engines in our daily basis. As soon as a question comes up at work, the first thing we all do is, you know, pull their phone out and Google because we're, we want to know what's going on. We, we want to research the answer. Well, now there are people whose entire job is focused on search engine optimization and helping companies to really categorize the information so it can be found by people that are searching. Again, those types of jobs didn't exist, but they do now. And you could argue that Google is a giant robot that's taking over, you know, categorizing information for us. So there, the jobs will shift and change for sure, but I don't see them going away wholesale overnight, we're going to snap our fingers and suddenly have people standing in the unemployment lines waiting to find work because uh, it won't be that sudden of a change. Yeah, uh, this is Aubrey. I think that that's, a, that's a good thing to remember, right? All of these changes sort of happen, um, you know, little by little. Although when you look at it in a, in a broad way, the advancements that we've made with artificial intelligence in just the last 10 years have been remarkable. Um, and I think that it's also important to remember that you know, AI is really not the enemy because in a lot of ways, especially if you kind of put on your consumer hat, it makes your life a whole lot easier. Right? <laughs> like there are things you don't have to worry about and things that are much faster and um, more achievable or more applicable for you because of that. Um, and, and I think that that's an important consideration to kind of keep in mind. You mentioned the, the third industrial revolution. There was a recent article on LinkedIn by Heather McGowan and Chris Shipley that talked a lot about this, this very thing um, and talked about the fourth industrial revolution and sort of this wave that we're on that we will see as more and more um, transactions are handled by robots and by artificial intelligence and then what that kind of means um, for the workforce and how that functions. So I think that it's it's always important to kind of keep a positive outlook on things. And how do you think that AI can really help HR? So instead of being seen as a hindrance, um, what are some things that are going to make our lives easier as HR practitioners? Right. And it's Holly. And I'll jump in and say that, you know, when I look at something from a positive light, I look at how can something be helpful? How can they lend an extra hand? And I actually am um, back to that John Sullivan presentation, you know, you have those aha moments when you read things and you have light bulbs go off. And he mentioned that, you know, in fact, machines have higher level capabilities like IBM's Watson than people. And it's, it's true. And, you know, you look at machines can work in dangerous weather. Machines can do a high level of mental calculations better than humans. Mm -hmm. um, they can do a higher volume of work for a lower cost. Um, also, you know, phone apps are another form of artificial intelligence that are really coming into play and they have access 24 seven, you know, let's face it, humans have to sleep, you know, we just can't be 24 seven. So it really helped me see how 
instead of looking at the fear of jobs, how these higher level capabilities can really help. So Ben, I'll let you expand on that a little bit. So again, going back to the point I made earlier, the, the use case is really what's gonna help people understand this, right? And to get over that fear, that concern, that worry, especially within the HR profession as a whole. So I see this thing with high volume, low priority tasks, not necessarily low value, but low priority tasks. For example, there are tools out there that can go through all the video interviews that your candidates are recorded, and it can tell if someone is reading from a script off screen by analyzing their face within the video interview and just doing that for all of your people. So it can give you a score whether the person maybe is hearing from another person in the room. It can tell if it's their voice that's, that's answering the questions. Another example is analyzing uh, your company email database for sentiment analysis to understand general attitudes of people in the organization. No one is going to sit there and I can barely read my own email, much less you know 10,000 other people. <laughs> so we're not going to do that, but a machine could do that quickly and could give us those insights that we couldn't get with a human eye. Another example recently that I saw is there's a company that has a recruiting tool that allows people to recruit technical people without any technical expertise. So by querying the system, it gives them ideas on things to search for, ideas on um, relevant skills and other pieces that they wouldn't know just because they don't have that background. And that's one of the biggest challenges I see that HR people have around recruiting. That's one of the things that keeps coming up over and over again. We want to do better at this. We want to be faster and stronger and, and all these good things about recruiting. We're not sure how, or we don't have the, the right expertise. And I see tools like that really helping them focus their time and their efforts on those high value tasks, those interactions with other people. We still have to hire people, right? Even if machines are taking over part of what we're doing, we still have to hire people and we need to chat with them. We need to connect with them. We need to make them feel, feel like there's a person on the other end of that. At the same time, again, I heard a really amazing story. Um, I read it in, in the Sure magazine last year that realized that there was no correlation between the interviews, how someone scored the interview, and how they performed on the job. So they actually created a tool internally where if you applied for a specific uh, technology position in the company, they need people so bad if you applied for that job and you passed a quick assessment, it gave you an offer on the spot. You never talked to anyone, you never saw anyone. And it's just really amazing the kind of things that, they're, that are out there now, whether it's a private company developing it like that example or, or someone um, like IBM that has these amazing cognitive tools that companies can take advantage of. There are a lot of ways it's helping HR. It's just important to keep getting these stories out there about how, how we can improve this because that's what's really gonna help turn the tide and people not just interested in the topic, but bought into the idea and, and funding it. Yeah, that's that's a really important thing to remember. And I think that, you know, replacing the fear with something where it's no longer about us versus them, but more of a blended partnership, like how we can actually work with artificial intelligence in a way that not only makes our lives easier, I don't want to have to scroll through 3,600 hours of video footage, you know, <laughs> I'd much rather than a robot take over that task. Um, but how do we do it in, in such a way that kind of the um, the importance of the human is still retained and that that value is still felt and able to be um, applied. So that kind of leads us into another question that Holly and I were talking about. Yeah, we were talking about um, in the world of artificial intelligence, you know, there are going to be jobs and skills that are demanded that, you know, humans, you know, kind of like I mentioned with the little list of capabilities that 
humans just cannot match. So Ben, do you see any certain jobs or skills that will be needed when AI, you know, gains its presence in our world? It's interesting because the, the idea of a job is even changing. You know, it's, this whole conversation could take another another direction entirely if we wanted to, t to talk about the gig economy, contingent workforce, those kind of things. And we're going to stay away from that and focus on because this topic's big enough for us. So let's talk about skills specifically because that's what's critical here. And again, these, this isn't about just killing jobs completely. It's, it's about blending the, the people approach with something a machine can do so that we can get the best of both worlds. What do you have, think about, that an AI just can't match? For instance, maybe it's influencing the opinions of others. It's going to be hard for a computer to do that, but we can do that because we, we understand how people react. We understand the nuances of that. Other skills that are going to be in demand include understanding the emotions of others, having creativity, understanding a perspective that someone has, um, having credible expertise in a subject matter area, being able to handle a poorly defined problem because computers have a really challenging time with that, um, or even determining something like, is this source reliable or not? That, that short list right there encompasses a significant amount of the work that goes on in day-to-day -day in, the, in the knowledge economy, right? Again, going back to some of the examples you mentioned earlier from Mr. Sullivan's presentation, Things are highly manual, highly transactional. There's not a lot of thought that goes into that. There's not a lot of nuance and someone's uh, perspective and point of view influencing how they respond to that. It's very much straightforward. If A happens, B is the response. But in the world of working with people and influence and trying to have credibility and expertise and those sorts of things that make up the knowledge economy, it's going to be more challenging for machines to completely replace those aspects of what we do every day. Yeah, this is Aubrey. I've, I've heard very similar things, and especially around the fact that machines can compute a whole lot of stuff and can take care of a lot of transactional things and can actually develop some of those skills to take over some of the jobs. But uh, there's no substitute for human creativity, right? And just being in a room and, and brainstorming about certain things um, and being able to function in tandem with artificial intelligence is, is going to be an increased need. So, Ben, do you have anything that you just would love that people understood about AI a little bit better, or understood about this intersection of, you know, cognitive thinking and um, machine learning and things and HR? I think the biggest thing is that it's not an either or an or, it's an and solution and getting people to think about what can I do best that a computer could never replace and how can I do more of those things and start leveraging the tools that are already in existence. Um, I think Holly mentioned apps on your phone a minute ago. Like if we can start figuring out how to use these, we use those every day for little small tasks. Let's think of HR, recruiting, learning, these things that we do every day in the same kind of way. Last year, I, I spoke at the IBM uh, HR conference in Boston, and one of the audience members asked a question about how do we get our people to be okay with the idea of us using measurement and analytics. And the answer that I gave there, I think is very similar to the answer that we need to use here. I said, the way that you get them excited about that is the same way that your favorite video streaming service gets you excited about using their tool. They help you find things you couldn't have found otherwise. They help give you benefits and things that you wouldn't have if you didn't opt into that. In the workforce, we can give people 
better benefits or we can give them more time or more opportunities or more more ways to grow and develop in the workforce because that's the critical thing people want. We can give them those things if we have the right tools in place to help us identify who wants those opportunities, where do the opportunities exist, how do we create those matches and put those people together. Again, it's hard to do that when you have 10,000 employees around the world and you can't talk to every one of them and see them holistically. However, a machine could do that pretty well. So it's looking at ways to really tie those things together think big because a machine can't think bigger than a person, I would say. <laughs> it's, a, it's a good good nugget there. <laughs> Very good point to end on. So thank you, Ben, so much for sharing your thoughts on how AI will aid those in the HR industry. We appreciate you being here. This has been an absolute joy. Thank you again for having me. We have enjoyed it. Thanks to all of our HCI learners for tuning in today. Subscribe to 9 to Thrive HR on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher Smart Radio, or on the YouTube channel HCI Talent for instant access to new episodes. Again, I'd like to thank our sponsor IBM for supporting this podcast and HCI's ongoing commitment to continuous education. To learn more, please visit us at www.hci.org.